Take your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Uh, last week we did the two verses before this, and we're going to jump into verse 16. And uh, I, I want you guys to be honest with me. And I'm not, when I talk about being overwhelmed or having a need, I'm not just talking about, because sometimes we say that and we start talking like, um, like I needed to get to work on time and we were, the traffic was bad and I was late. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. I'm, I'm talking about, have you ever been in a time where you were completely overwhelmed and had no resources and didn't know what to do? Raise your hand, just testify. Just be honest in here. Okay, for some of you that don't have your hand raised, you'll get there one day, I promise. But I'm talking about that feeling of, I have a need, I have a problem, and a lot of times I've been able to pull out of savings, or I've been able to do this, or the doctor prescribed this, but I'm saying, when you have something that you are so overwhelmed that there's nobody or nothing that can fix this issue, of course, we know what to do. We pray. And all the church would say, Amen. He's like, what do you do? He's like, what do you do in a time of need? I pray, buddy. I, 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 I go to the Father. I run. I, I pray to, to the God that I know hears me. We know that the prayer says in the Bible, we hear about prayer, that prayer moves mountain, that tears down the strongholds, brings revival, does all these things. Hebrews gives us a different perspective of prayer. And it's something that's really connected to my heart. And you guys know that we've been through a lot. In, in, and I'm going to... And, and, and eventually, I want to get to the point where I, 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 this isn't on my heart and mind, and some of you are like, I wish you'd just stop talking about this. It's just a major thing that God has brought us through, and it's been a big learning thing for us, and uh, it's, it's just been a, uh, it's been a miracle. I, I can't, and I'm, I'm not going to not break on God for the miracle, okay? And I'm not going to get over it. You think the blind man, you know, after two days went away and says, you know, you, you got your sight back. Yeah, it's not a big deal. No, I guarantee you, like, I can see, baby, I can see. You know, it was exciting for him. He was excited about what God did. When this verse says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy to find grace to help in the time of need. I, I can tell you that we all face needs in our lives. Now, they might be different, but I can promise you this, we face, and I'm, I'm not just saying <clears throat> I need to get a, 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 some coupons so I can save money on groceries this way. I'm talking about needs. I'm, I'm talking about parents that when you're dealing with your kids and something's off and, and they start showing the signs that they're depressed or, or they, they withdraw from eating or they're, they're not opening up or they start talking about suicidal things and, and, and you're trying to fix it and you don't know what the words are saying. You're just like, man, that's my heart as a parent. I, just, I need to fix this, but you can't. You want them just to listen to you. And you feel stuck. I'm talking about marriages of people that go to church. You walk in and out of this building. You walk in and out of your church wherever you're at. And I'm talking about people that are watching online. And you identify this. You, you say, I, I've got a problem. And my marriage is not good. And people at church think it's good because I, I, I don't open up about those things. But when I come home, we argue more than we talk. There is no unity. There is no joy. There's issues behind the scenes. And I can see the writing on the wall that things are going to fall apart. I need help. I'm talking about health issues. You're waiting for scans and tests. And I know that there's people in here right now that applies to. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about finances. 
You don't have a rich uncle that's going to come and bail you out. If you do have a rich, rich uncle, I want to meet him, okay? I'd like to make a new friend. And I can just say, I don't, I don't have that rich uncle that's going to make everything just go. And, and, and I, I think this passage right here is, is, is talking about these issues. It's, read with me. It says that we may obtain mercy to find grace to do what? Help me out here. To find grace to what? Help in a time of need. That, that word help right there has the root word we, means to cry for aid. Just so you guys get this, this isn't just like I'm going to raise my hand. This is when you get in a situation that I am so desperate that I have no idea what to do. And you begin to cry out for help. I've given you the illustration before about us being at the store and I couldn't find Jordan. And at first, you're just really discreet. You're just like, hey, Jordan, hey, buddy, where'd you go? Whatever. And then, then your heart starts racing. You just realize my son is missing. You throw out all regard to what people say. And you start running around the thing saying, Jordan, where are you, buddy? Hey, dad needs you. Where are you at, buddy? And you know, I don't care what anybody says. This is what the same thing that it's talking about. I'm in a position where I need to get the attention of my God. I'm going to cry out to him. And some of you might not recognize what that feels like or looks like. You just haven't been there yet. You haven't been there yet. But I'm telling you that this, this passage gives us the description to find grace to help. I, I love that the, the idea, the help is, is that there's hope, okay? You know, when, the, when, you're, when you pass out or something's wrong and they say, hey, call 9-1, help is on the way. Somebody's going to step into the situation that knows more than you and has resources to help in a way that you can't fix yourself. That's what this is talking about. The question is, when you get in those situations, where do you go? I'm not talking about in theory. Just so if anybody's here, whatever meme you share on Facebook, whatever cliche thing you throw out there, God is good all the time, all the time. God is. I'm not just talking about the things that we flippantly say. I'm talking about what do you do when you're broken and you have nowhere to go and you're desperate? I... I, I I shared with you some of the thoughts. I had people in the battles that I dealt with personally when it came to praying and the different things that was said. I had somebody, and I'm just being honest, I had somebody that reached out to me and said, Pastor Tony, can I challenge you with what to do to fix your son? And I said, well, I'm open up to anything. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to hear whatever. <clears throat> and they said, here's what, I, I feel like you're putting your faith and trust in a hospital. If you truly are trusting God, you, you should stop all treatments and just bring him home. I'm just like, well, that sounds good to you, but you can do whatever you want with your kid, but my kid's going to stay in the hospital and get help. It's not a lack of trusting God, but it's a understanding that God works through means. God works through people. God's given us medicines and treatments and things like that, and I know we can take any of those things too far, but it messes with your head. Am I doing this right? And I know I shared a lot of this with you guys last week. You battle within your heart. People say that you got to have enough faith, and you got to trust in God, and you got to rest in God, and you got to fight, and you got to... Step back and you got to surrender and you got to, you know, it's like, ah, oh, which one is right? I mean, well, what do I do? And sometimes our, our minds go so crazy that we're not seeking the face of God because we're just overwhelmed with the idea that I'm doing it wrong. I know a lot of you have felt, I have felt, maybe I don't know truly how to connect with God. This is simply it. Can I, can I show you this? It's like when you're overwhelmed, it's as simple as this. In times of need, just run to the throne. And I know it's, I don't want this being another cliche thing, going, oh, just run to the throne or whatever. I want, I want to illustrate what this means. Notice that it says, let us come therefore boldly unto the throne of grace. 
Do you notice that in this passage, it refers to where we're going much different? It's telling us to recognize the authority of what this means. A lot of times we say, run to the Father, and I love that song, and I love what that means, of running to the Father and the prodigal son. When I'm messed up and I have nowhere to go, I'm going to run to my dad. Talk about running to God. My God has all of the answers and things. I'm going to run to that high tower, that, that place of refuge and help, and you know, all these different illustrations, but in this passage right here, it's talking about running to the throne, and it, it gives us a different perspective. The throne is a visual for us to get. The throne means a place of power and authority. Doesn't necessarily connect with our culture today because we don't, we don't have a king in a sense outside of King Jesus. But in our world today, we're not ruled in that way. But in the Bible days, it was a matter of the one that sat on the throne and you could not just approach the throne, but the one that had rule over, <clears throat> over all the people and the armies. He had, he had rule over everything that was going on in the nation. He had power and authority. Can I show you something why the Bible is referencing for us to go to the throne of grace? In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, so just go back a couple of chapters and look this, at this. God, in whose sundry times and diverse manners, spake in times past by the fathers and the prophets. So he said, man, he said, back in the day, we would run to what they had to say, and God would speak through them. He said, but things are changing now through Jesus. Hath in these last days spoken to us by his Son, <clears throat> whom he hath appointed of all things all things, by whom he made the worlds. Now, now stop and just let me show you this. The one that he's talking about sits on the throne. He's literally saying he is appointed to be over all things. It is not just church. It's not just heaven. It's not just salvation. He said, the one that sits on the throne has been appointed over all things. And then it goes on to say, by whom also he made the worlds. You talk about power and authority. It's demonstrating the power and authority of God. It says in verse 3, who being in the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, which is Jesus, and upholding all things by the word of his power, upholds all things. You know what the Bible is saying? Is saying, why is he telling us to go to the throne? He's demonstrating the one that sits on the throne holds everything in his power and in his hand. All things. Are you guys with me on this? Does anybody believe this? Okay, you guys help me out as I preach this today. Some of you, I want to make sure you're with me, okay? He sits on the throne, and the Bible says the one that has power and authority, he holds all things in his hands. He possesses all things. He has authority over all things. It says, by the word of his power, upholding all things, held himself to purge sin and sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. The word of his power. You think about when the Bible demonstrated this through Jesus Christ and gave us all these visuals of this. At the beginning of time, when God said, let there be light, he spoke the words and created galaxies. He spoke the words and created oceans and things. I'm talking about the authority that he has. Think about when Jesus came into the world and he came upon the legion of demons, the man that was possessed, and he said, who are you? He said, we are legion, for we are many. It wasn't just a matter. It was, it was thousands of demons. And you know what Jesus said? By the word of his power, get out. Amen. The power of his word. Jesus was on the sea and there was a storm and he rose up and he rebuked it with the words of his mouth and said, peace be still. He comes across Lazarus and Lazarus is dead in the grave. And he says, Lazarus, come out. I'm talking. And it's the description, the words of his mouth. He says, it's not just what I do. It's the power that I speak. I hold authority over everything in this world. God has the authority over our power, over our problems. 
The question that I ask is, where do we run? Where do you run? Is it a bottle that you run to when you're going through a hard time? Is it on Facebook of having a hard day? We're looking for attention. We're not looking for answers. I'm asking, where do you run? Is it a friend? And I'm going to even say this, and don't take this out of context, but sometimes we're running to the church rather than running to God himself. And I'm not telling you not to run to church because we represent the things of God. But I'm telling you, on Monday, when you got the bad news, you had direct access to God. You don't have to wait for Sunday. He said in verse 8, But unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. The God that sits on this, Jesus that sits on this, literally, he holds up the scepter. And that's where they would declare things or demonstrate their power. It's kind of like the gavel that in a, in a judge sentencing or something like this, it says, let it be so. But he judges with authority of goodness and righteousness. He doesn't do wrong. He doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't drop the ball. Notice this, that the, the throne represents that he holds authority over things in this world, but also he holds authority over you. We are not in charge. I come before the throne in submitting to the authority of God for him to tell me what he wants me to do in my life. I don't tell God what to do. He tells me what to do. And I know this is easy for us to be like, oh, yeah, of course I know that. Until God tells you no in your prayer life, and that's difficult. We were shut down hard when we prayed and prayed and prayed for Logan's first surgery, and it was an epic failure. It didn't happen. And I'll tell you what, sometimes when we're like, God, I know you're going to do it because you're good and you're righteous and you make no mistakes, and will you please do this? And we walk away with the idea that maybe you're not all that good. Because I don't understand, because in my mind, this made sense that you would fix this, but I don't know what you're doing because this doesn't make sense. Romans 14, 11, it says, for it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess to God. Can I tell you that God is authority, has authority over every person in this room and every person that's watching right now. You say, I'm an atheist. You won't be on this day. Amen. There are no atheists before the throne of God. The Bible says that every knee shall bow. You say, I don't believe in him. You'll, you'll, you'll believe on them in that day because there are no atheists in hell and there are no atheists in heaven. God has given us this to remind us that today he will be your savior, but tomorrow he'll be your judge. He has authority over you. It's the same thing with the saved. It's, uh, the Bible says, oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the God, our maker. Do you know why the Bible says that? Let me help you guys understand. We, we want sometimes God to be the genie in the bottle where I tell him what to do, where this is what I want in life, and I've got three wishes, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get my three wishes in prayer. But in reality, this is what we do, and we do this all the time. We demonstrate this, but I don't know if we don't fully understand. I'm not saying that you always have to bow on your knees to pray, but I believe that it's a good practice for Christians to bow on their knees and pray. Do you know why? Because there's something about submitting. Lowering myself. Surrender. And the act of that. We don't do that today. I'm right. I'll argue with you. I'll debate. I know what I'm talking about. For God, to, even, even in our prayers, when we bow our knees or we bow our heads, it's an act of submitting to God, saying, 
I don't have the problems and I recognize who you are. You are supreme being. You are the authority in my life. I submit to who you are. It's powerful because sometimes God will say no and we have to submit and receive the answer knowing that he, he rules with a scepter of righteousness that he does not make mistakes. And that's hard. Hebrews speaks of there being a place of power and authority. It said, let therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. This is hard. I'm not just praying to my father. I'm praying to my king. Amen. I'm praying to the one that has authority over my problems and authority over me. But notice this, there, it also has a required action. In Hebrews 4, 16, it says, let us therefore come boldly. It's not just enough to recognize his authority. It's, it's talking about going to him. <clears throat> I know I've shared with you guys a lot of this story. I, I, I'd like to take you back to when this first started. And, 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 and what God did through this, it was, I was sitting in my office. It was June 28th, 2021, doing prayer and counseling. Jenny rang my phone. I didn't answer it. I didn't know. She rang it again, and I know if Jenny calls me twice that she needs to get a hold of me, especially when I'm counseling and things like that. So I answered, and she said, we don't know what's going on. Logan's heart has moved three inches out of place. They think it's a mass. I remember running out of the church, running down to my car and driving to the children's hospital. I parked in the back where the ER is, and Logan was in the ER. And I walked into the ER, and I can tell you that I was at a place of being stunned. I couldn't say that I was afraid. I couldn't say that I was worried. I, I could, I, just overwhelming, like, what in the world? This isn't real. And I remember them starting to do uh, different tests and things. And while we were sitting there, uh, Morgan began to say, like, we need to post or share this and get people praying. And she, we were talking about what do we do for the title of what this is. And I remember being in that ER room. That's literally the day, the moment when, they're there, when we're there. We were in the ER at Children's Hospital. And I remember just saying to Morgan in our family discussion of, let just put, pray for Logan. Just pray for Logan. Because as a Christian, that's what I know to do. When, <clears throat> when you're in problems, you, you just pray. That's what you do is you pray. I didn't fully understand that at the time. I, I remember they took us out of that room and brought us down the hall into a CT scan <clears throat> where they wanted to see how bad it was. And that CT is when we, that's the literal picture of us finding out that the, how big the mass was and the fact that it was the size of a small football. And, and I remember the heaviness, it was coming on me, it was coming on me. And, and they said his heart is in such distress that we can't, we can't do a biopsy in a normal way. We can't put him under anesthesia. They said he could die. But we've got to get a biopsy to know what kind of treatment because this has to be aggressive. We have to move fast. They knew from the CT that the mass was huge, that it was crushing his heart. It was crushing his lungs. It was crushing his arteries. It, it elevated his heart rate. And, and I remember them just saying how bad it was. And, and, and we were just, because Logan at the time, he, he wasn't showing a lot of side effects besides the fact that he was coughing. I remember Jenny saying they, they were moving us to a room and taking us out of ICU and putting us in, or, or taking us out of the ER and putting us in the ICU. And I remember the reality stepping in. And Jenny says, well, we're not leaving. Of course, we're not leaving. So I left there to go home. And I was driving <clears throat> to get 
clothes and, and chargers and those kind of things. And as I'm driving, I'm just saying, have you ever been there where you disconnect from the situation? And as you do, the, your mind starts racing and the reality of what's happening begins to hit you. As a pastor, it's a blessing because I know what it means to run to God and to pray and things. But as a pastor, I also know the power of cancer. I, I've seen people die. I've, I've, I've literally held people's hands if they've, if, if they've taken their last breath. I, I, I literally, in, in, as I was not in here for the beginning of worship, I was on a phone call in the hallway talking to a family that just lost someone 20 minutes ago. It's, it's around me all the time. I see it. I've been there when people had their first chemo. I've been there when they've had their last breath. And time after time, I've been there when they said goodbye and we buried them. So I'm just saying for a pastor, <clears throat> I went into this situation much different because it was so real to me. And now it's me. And I remember driving down the road and I'm going down 33 and I'm so overwhelmed. I'm, I'm, I'm call me big babe. I was, I was weeping to the point where I almost had to pull off the road because I could not see the road. It was just, I, I, I had a need and it was just like, God, why did you let it get this far? Why, why didn't they just come in and say it's something they could get out? Or why is it, why is it so complicated? I left the house. And I remember I didn't know what to do, but I couldn't go back. I wasn't mentally, emotionally ready to handle that. So I drove down the road and I, I, I pulled into Pastor Dave's house, which is across the street. And I parked in there and he came out and got in the car. And I'm, I'm crying so hard I couldn't, I couldn't breathe. And Dave didn't know what to do. How, what do you do in a situation like this? And he, he, did, did just, he reached out, put his hand on my shoulder and he said, Bro, we got this. We're going to get through this, whatever. And I remember screaming. I yelled at him. I said, will you stop? I said, my son's chest is completely filled with cancer. I'm not saying he has a lump. I'm not saying they found a spot. I'm not saying that it's just causing issues. It's his heart. It's his lungs. It's his arteries. I'm like, stop saying it's just going to be okay. I knew what to do, but I didn't know what to do. Do you guys know what I'm saying? I knew what to do, but I didn't know what to do. I knew the truth that God can do anything. But in my life, it's something that I've never truly seen God do the impossible. I saw God do a lot of great things. But in my life, I never had a Red Sea moment. I, I, I've never had a Lazarus come forth moment. I never had. And I know that there is a good God, but I know there's a curse of sin. And I know that <clears throat> God has the right to say no. And can I tell you that sometimes in my prayer life, I, I struggle because I didn't want to hear the no. And because I didn't want to hear the no, I didn't always want to pray. Because sometimes God has the authority and the power to tell us no or to wait or yes. But sometimes people would say about the will of God and I, I, I associated that with, with death. You know how many funerals I did where they would stand at the castle? Well, we prayed for them to be healed, but it just wasn't the will of God. And that stuck in my mind. I'm telling you about the things that I knew that Satan was using in my mind to hold me back from what I knew was right. Notice this action. There's an action. It says, let us therefore come. <clears throat> come is an action. You guys hear me? Come is an action. 
that has come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain to receive something when we get there and to find what I'm missing. If I have a problem and I'm overwhelmed with the problem and God is saying, as a Christian, as a pastor, as a church, it is time that you don't just reference the throne of grace, you don't just talk about the power of God, that you don't just sing it in a lyric, that you don't just put the meme out there on Facebook, that you understand that when you have a problem in your life, there is an action that takes place, and it is going before the throne of grace. Come. When you're there and you're crying out in a time of need, and you're over here in desperation, and you say, Jesus, I don't know what to do. The simplicity of what God says as he sits on the throne is, get this, we don't, don't complicate prayer. Come unto me, all ye that are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Amen. You know, the, the passage is just simply come to the throne of grace that you may obtain mercy and help in the time of need. That's what God was telling us to do, to obtain. It just let me tell you guys, the idea of I'm going through something, y'all pray for me is not enough. And I think it's powerful that people pray for you. And I think it's powerful that you ask for prayer. And I think it's powerful that we have things. But then did you notice this? It's, it's personal action. God's saying, if you have the problem, I want you in my presence. Right. We recognize his authority. We are given the instruction to go. But the question is, why don't we do this? And I believe the thing is that we have to confront the spiritual warfare. Satan has been good to come between us and God. If you notice when, and I preached on this a little bit last week, when we talked about Adam and Eve in the garden, and they sinned, there was separation between them because of the lies that they understood. I can tell you guys right now that if we know that that's the throne of grace, why aren't we experiencing revival in America? Why is the divorce rate just as high in churches as it is in the world? Why is it that we are fighting with depression and anxiety and, all, and guilt and all these other things? Why is it that we're losing our kids? Why are you saying we live in a sinful world? And I'll admit that, but let me tell you that I serve a power, awful, awesome, not awful, awesome God. <laughs> That'll be the one thing you remember from today. <laughs> he reigns with authority. He does nothing but right. He holds the world in his hands. He literally created the world. He has the, the power to speak words. And yet we're over here saying, I've got a problem. And we're complaining on Facebook and we're complaining to everybody else. And we run to a bottle or run to drugs or run to weed or run to anything else that's going to give us a temporary fix. And the question is, why aren't we bombarding the throne of grace if we know that's what God does? Do you know one of the number one things that I hear people say when it comes to prayer? I, I, don't, I don't pray enough. I, 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 don't, I don't know if I do it right. We struggle with it. I'm going to ask you this week what it was, how much you spent at the throne of grace. I wonder how much of it that was there. And I, and I believe that it's spiritual warfare. I, show, I showed you this last week. Well, let me just review this. When, when, when we talked about coming before God, before, before Jesus died on the cross, this was not possible Verses 14 and 15 talk about how he came and he died on the cross. And we have a high priest that went and covered our sin and represented it before the heavens, telling us that he paid the price for us and Jesus took it out of the way. That's what he did. I, 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 can't, I can't get to God, but it's by grace that you say through faith and not of yourself. God, what God did for me is what made the difference. 
why don't we do this? Because we're like Adam and Eve. We're sending, and rather than running to God saying we need help, the sin in our minds makes us we need to go and cover ourselves up. It's natural reaction. It's, that's what we do. It's like, I messed up, so I need to cover up. I, I, I need, and, and in our minds, I don't deserve to be there. Can I tell you that what we need to do is deal with the sin in our lives? My sin is paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ, but I can promise you this. It, you're never going to run to the throne of grace when you're living on porn in your computer. There is something in our minds when we know that I am guilty and I'm wrong and I shouldn't be doing this. And the Bible talks about the Spirit of God and how we can quench the Spirit of God. It's not a matter of me not having access to God, but I can quench the relationship. You want to know what it's like? You say, I'm married and I know that I'm married, but things aren't right. I have access to my wife. I can go talk to her. But when things aren't right because you've been arguing and debating and calling each other's names, this relationship, that relationship between you and your spouse will not be right. If we want to see a move of God and see change in our life, then the Bible says, let us confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you might be healed. Now listen to this, the effectual fervent prayer of what? A righteous man. Literally, when we go before God, we don't sit there and live with sin in our life and say, God, just get over it. I know you died for it. I know you took this away, but it's not a big deal. No, we confess it knowing that I submit under the authority of God that I cannot live in righteousness or live in, live in sin when he's died to give me righteousness. He said, well, I, I live in grace. Shall we continue in sin that grace should abound? God forbid. You want to know the first step of seeing God working your relationship or working your kids or whatever? Just go before God and say, I need to get some things right. Get it right. You were asking God for prayer and things, and yet you're harboring sin and living in sin. It doesn't work that way. And then we have to confront the lies that hold us back. Jesus took, the, 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 Jesus took sin out of the way. Let, let, let me demonstrate, because this is, this is true with all of us. Jesus took this out of the way. But that passage that tells us about the devil, he said, you're of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father, he will do. He was a murderer from the beginning because he abode not in the truth because there was no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own because he is a liar and the father of it. Do you understand that sin has no power over me, but I still struggle with sin? Can anybody say amen to that? Uh, Sin has no power over me, but I still struggle with sin. That sin might be this, where I'm going to God, and I know when I wake up, I'm going to spend time in the Word, I'm going to spend time with God. And then I get to the point of apathy. That is a sin. Holds me back. Or I, of doubt. Like, I don't even know if God hears me. I don't even know if God cares. Or something from my past that I get there, and, and Satan is an accuser of the brother. He says, really, you're going to go to God? I know how you live this week. I know how you yelled at your spouse. I know how you treat your, your, your family. I, I, I know what you did when you were driving. You flipped that guy off. You think you deserve to come to this? We struggle with sin. It, it's spiritual warfare, but we've got to understand. We've got to dwell on truth. Here's the truth. This is what the Bible says. Philippians, finally, brethren, think on these things. Whatsoever things are true, if there's going to be any virtue, if there's going to be any praise, think on these things. You know why we spend time in the word of God? So we can know without a shadow of a doubt this is taken out of the way. You know why? Because I know that I can boldly come before the throne of grace. You know what that boldly means? Without hesitation. I'm not running in fear to God. He made a way through the grace of God that I might take mercy and grace in a time of need. Mercy and grace. You know what mercy is? 
Mercy is God withholding punishment that is deserved. And grace takes it to the never, uh, another level. Grace means that you got what you did not deserve. That's what God gives us in a time of trouble. The truth is you are forgiven. The truth is you are forgiven. So as you battle with this, you come to this place and Satan starts throwing up to your face the things that you've done in the past and the mistakes and things like that. You can go by and say, you know what? My God dealt with that and I have access to Jesus Christ. But we struggle with these things. Some of you have not run to God in a long time because of something in the back of your mind that you're unworthy, you're not good enough, you've made mistakes, I'm not as good so-and-so, God's never going to hear my prayers, I'm not like Pastor Tony or Brother so-and-so or Sister so-and-so. He does that. We struggle with those thoughts. Here's the other thing that I love. The truth is, uh, the truth is that we're all invited and desired before God. Can I show you this? It says, let us therefore boldly come to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy. Nowhere in there does it talk about a pastor or preacher. Just so you know, if if you had that thought, and I've had people do this and say, I know God did a great work in your family, Pastor Tony, because you're the pastor. And of course, I have no VIP access to God. I'm a sinner saved by grace like anybody else. I have access to the throne. You know why? Because my Jesus died on the cross for my sin and he died for your sin. And every single person in this room, you have access to God. You can boldly go before the throne of grace. You know why? Because he made a way. The whole thing that I I ask God to allow me to share this with you today about embracing his presence. So let let me illustrate this, okay? I, I I want us to get this because this is, so heavy on my heart. I think we complicate this so often. I, I have a need. Does anybody else have a need here? Raise your hand. Anybody online You said that I have a need? I have a need. And this need is more than I can handle. It, it is so overwhelming. It is so powerful that it had the ability to, it had its power. Can I tell you that the cancer in my son's life had power to take his life? And I know you start talk about how a miracle story this was. Can I, the reason why I say that is we were, we were at such a desperate place. They were taking all the options off us and things like that. And it's like, what do you do when you have a time of need? What do you do when you're overwhelmed with what's on your heart and mind? And as a Christian, I know that he's a great God. And, and, and we need to have that mindset that he's not just the big guy upstairs. That he reigns in authority and power. That he has, he has a he has power over your problems, over you, over sickness, over death. He, oh, he holds the power. The question is, why do we walk around with the burden in our life and not run to the one that has the answers? And that answer might be yes, it might be no, it might be wait, but I don't know. But I do know that my job is to go to him. Sometimes we start going to him and then we run into the sin and go, I, I, can't, I don't deserve to be here. And we miss out on the help. That is spiritual warfare that we've got to confront in our lives. I was praying. I would, I would take what I had and I'd walk out of the hospital. I'd walk around. I'd walk around the lobby. I walked around the front of Children's Hospital and I just pray. And I, I don't know what I was praying or how I was, I just know that I was just, I just needed to talk to him. I had doubts, I had fears, I had all those things that was happening. 
Then, then I remember it changing where I would get so burdened that I'd have to walk out of the hospital and I'd go down to my car and I'd shut the door and I'd weep and I'd cry and I'd weep and I'd cry. I'd, I'd have to pull myself back together and I'd, I'd talk to God and I'd do that. And God was working on my heart, like just pulling me closer to him and that it's not just a prayer of bullet points. It's not just a, God, I need this and I need this and I need this. It was a matter of me having a conversation with God. Have you had a conversation with God? Have you got lost in talking to him like you would your best friend? Have, have, you, have you spent time with God to where you lost track of time rather than going, how long is he preaching? What's going on with this? Have, have you been there? Then I learned to go before God with my burden. I begged him, I, I, please take this from me. I'm not, I'm not just asking for the sake of myself. I'm asking you to show my kids how much, how powerful you are. That you have the power and the authority over these things. And I've preached this a thousand times. But I really want my kids to see it. But I got up. God didn't take it. Go back to work. Go back to my house. Go back to preaching. And I still had this. Who bothered me all the time? Middle of the night, early in the morning, consumed me. I mean, broke me. I didn't want to lose my boy. I didn't want to walk out of there and think that prayer doesn't work. I didn't want to preach something. And then, and then to, I just struggled. But I remember growing and one day I was I was in my bed we had scans the next morning I was so consumed with this I got out of bed in the middle of the night and I didn't know what I was doing I, I walked around I just was so consumed and I remember walking in to the living room and I just fell <laughs> never told anybody this I'm not bragging. Please hear me. I'm not bragging. I'm not trying to say how spiritual I am. I'm talking about how broken I was. And I remember just going there and I just say, God, I need you tomorrow. I asked you to take this from me tomorrow. Will you just let it be the power of God that says it to make it go away? I got up scans weren't good the next day I mean, it wasn't gone then I realized something this kept driving me to my knees this kept bringing me back and I had a different perspective I hated the burden but I loved that it was teaching me a lesson that I didn't understand that I needed God and not in a just a pray for me way and go through the motions way. But then I realized that it would drive me into his presence. And I'm telling you, I began to enjoy this. And I stopped my prayer. It wasn't just, God, take this away, take this away, take this away. I started praying over Morgan. 
praying over Jordan. I'm praying over Jenny. I'm praying over you. When I find that I didn't want to leave this spot, I'd walk away feeling hope. Not that it was all worked out, not that it went away, but I felt hope because I was whispered in the heart and mind of me that it was going to be okay, and I didn't know how. Now, let me tell you, when you get away, Satan will fight you, and I'll start to have doubts, and I had up and downs and things like that. I struggle with it. I remember me and Logan getting up early and going to one of the OSU campuses. And we were going for a CT scan and I couldn't go back. That one picture was the only time that we ever went back. And I remember him going beyond the door and I found a spot in the hospital. I said, God, I can't go beyond that door. But I know that you can. Will you go with him? When you pray, enter into the closet. When you shut the door, you're no longer in your living room. I'm at the throne of grace. I was in my backyard and I was cutting the grass. I was just listening to music and I'm, I'm walking. The lines were all messed up. I didn't care. And in my backyard, I shut off the lawnmower. Like a crazy person. I just fell. I said, God, I'm so tired of this. I asked you to be with me and get me through this. To my neighbors, I was a crazy guy. But to Jesus, I was his child at the throne of grace. Never said in this to anybody. I can't tell you how many times I've gotten up in the middle of the night. I'd walk up to Logan's door and I would just kneel. I would just pray over that door. God, on the other side of this door is my, my son. God, I asked you to intervene and take his cancer away. God, I ask you to work in my kid's life. I ask you to work in my life. You know what I realized? That this is for a reason. And then the more I got to know him, the more when he said no to me, it's not because he didn't love me. He was telling me to wait. Because God was using that to do work in my life. You'll never know that. You'll never know that from a distance. Saying, God, I need you. God, I have a problem. Facebook, I have a problem. Sitting in a bar, hanging with your friends, will never do what it does to walk into the presence of God. Last night, so different. We went to a hotel drove up on Sunday afternoon. We met at an Airbnb and we uh, gathered my family around, Jenny's mom and dad, all of us. We just prayed over Logan. And there was something so sweet about that time. 
And it wasn't because I knew the answer. I just been close enough to him to feel his presence. And it will change you. I can't even preach about it and explain it. You just have to go taste and see. You you have to taste and see. And I remember us going back and we were in the hotel getting ready for the surgery and we had to do all the prep and things like that. And I laid down on the bed. And I remember as I slept, didn't sleep, I don't know what I did. I like spent time with God like all night. And I'm telling you, it was the weirdest thing of God just like, Tony, it's, I've got this. The next morning when we woke up, our family was joking and laughing and cracking jokes. And just it was just a sweet time. Jenny and them can tell you it was such a sweet time that morning. And then they came in and two and a half hours after surgery came in and said, we got it out. You say, how? If you ever want to know, if you ever want to know, it's because of this right here. And it wasn't just me, it was Jenny and Morgan and Jordan and Logan and you guys and all of us, because this is what it is. The Bible is even e- either real or it's not. And why are we playing games with this? Why in the world do we have Christians that get consumed with TikTok videos more than praying? Why is it that we can binge watch show after show after this and spend no time with God and wonder why we're struggling so bad? Why is it that we know that we've been set free by the blood of Jesus Christ and yet you still continue in that habit and that sin and you keep doing it over and over again and you wonder why God's not working and I fear for the next generation where God becomes a theory rather than a fact because we talk about it and not see it. Donnie, do you care if I share that story? Donnie Wing, stand up, Donnie, stand up for a second. I love this guy. Donnie is a nurse. He goes to our church. Oh, PCA, thank you, sorry. He's not our nurse. (laughs) He was with us when Logan's surgery failed the first time. He had nothing to do with it, by the way. (laughs) It's like, you're the guy. And, uh, he, he works with Dr. D'Souza and those crews, and he helps all of them that are going in this. But I'm telling you this. I just, Donnie just told me this. And uh, he said, Tony, I, I got to go back. I was walking the hallway. Was it this week? Walking the hallway this week, and he ran into the surgeon from the first one, from the first surgery. And Donnie walked up, and he said to him, he said, hey, um, you know that boy Logan that came back and how you guys kind of doing all these different things? He said, yeah. He goes, how is he doing? He goes, well, they had surgery in Cleveland Clinic and they got all the cancer out and came back with the pathology report being clear. And he told Donnie, he said, you go back and tell that pastor because I'm a surgeon. I did the first one and I know this. They experienced a miracle. They experienced a miracle. Thank you. Because it doesn't stop just because of the burden. It doesn't stop just because you were there because all of a sudden, God is doing a work that is just one after another after another, and it just keeps going. But I'm telling you, a lot of you right now are at the point where you're just ready to throw it away. 
and God's ready to do something with it. And maybe that burden that you have is exactly what God needed to put that heaviness in your life for you to experience the need to drive you past all the excuses and things and just simply fall at the throne of grace because there's no other place to find the mercy and the grace and the help in a time of need other than the throne of God.